When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show coming to you live from Studio A in our West Loop offices, downtown Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. No Herb Lawrence tonight. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. Oh, maybe he was hiding down there. Not a lot of room for him to hide. I mean, usually he's the man in the middle, and Mm -hmm. I I feel like we could hold hands right now. Uh, That's Vinny Duber. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at CHGO. At uh, Vinny Duber, he's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. I was you'll get there if you follow that. You'll get there. I was gonna no, but I was gonna say your Twitter handle was CHGO White Sox beat writer, which oh. is very lengthy. It's probably not taken though. No, I don't. I don't think it is. Uh, we appreciate everyone joining us, especially maybe that's what'll have to be on Threads one day. Oh God, Threads is bad. No one uses. Threads. I don't. I haven't. I. I don't even have a Threads. Oh, threads is dead. You didn't even join, and it's already dead. Oh, all right. Well, good. That's kind of why I didn't. I was kind of waiting to see what was gonna, what was gonna go happen with it, and nothing is apparently the answer. No, you can't sort your timeline. That's isn't that the first thing you should do? Right. You Come can't on. you can't sort it from newest, and a lot of it is just kind of Facebook uh, algorithm given to you. Mm. So it's kind of like Instagram, where it's horrible. Mm. I mean, I kind of like Instagram. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like when I'm scrolling Instagram, a lot of it's at. Anyways, um, thank you for joining us. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. Uh, and we do appreciate you, especially Connor joining us uh, all the way from Toronto, where he, he met Herb. He found Herb, actually. Uh, KPW uh, is at the Blue Jays game and apparently watching us while the game is currently 2 nothing in Toronto. But uh, he ran into uh, Herb and, and Courtney up in Toronto. So shout out to KPW, who's been a guest on this show many times before. And uh, now we get to see the two embracing. Are they embracing in that picture? I feel, I feel like wow. that's an embrace. Think they embraced? Yeah. I, they probably that's embraced. A, I mean, it's a shoulder-shoulder touch. I'd believe that they embraced. Probably maybe uh, maybe uh, Herb spilled some of his uh, watery beer all over KPW. <laughs> yeah, very proud enough to be drinking a Bud Light over uh, the border. I think they have Molson, eh? Like, I think they've got Molson. They've got Labatt's. Labatt's. Uh, uh, one of my personal favorites is from uh, uh, French Canada. Uh, a fin du monde. Ooh. Yes, it's like a that's it's like the most alcoholic. It's one of the more alcoholic beers you could buy. It is high percent, high percent. It <laughs> it might be, I don't I think is it nine or maybe it Ugh. might be double digits. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But uh, you used to be able to get it on draft at Guthrie's on Addison, uh, but uh, I don't know if you still can. But Damn. it's exciting if you get the bottle at the store. Yeah, they have a regular bottle, but you can also get a big bottle, like a wine bottle that has a cork in it. Oh, hell yeah. Like yeah. this? I, I think I'm, that's I'm, just a regular bottle you. of okay. beer. But I'm yeah. showing to you. Okay, yeah. okay. All right, well. Um, that's, I'm trying to find the alcohol. 9%. 9%er. So, there you go. To be fair. I had one in, in Montreal. In Montreal? Once, yeah. Oh, yes. some poutine. Mm. Um, to be fair, the Goose Island uh, Tropical Beer Hugs, those are 9.9. See, ah, they've already ah. been passed up by the fine folks at Goose Island. Mercy. And there's there's <laughs> tall boys in there. You ever have a tall boy? They're nice. Um, we can appreciate everyone joining us. Uh, we're coming to you live. I'm sure White Sox loss. 
five to one in Flushing, New York. Uh, Justin Verlander, I know you picked him to win the Cy Young last year, and then he did, um, and then he did. Yeah. And what I've learned is that you could still be good after winning a Cy Young. It's true. He's he was great tonight. I mean, he was fantastic. That game almost was a Maddox for him—a complete game shutout with less than 100 pitches. And then the White Sox started to really make him sweat in the seventh, eighth inning by, by getting two hits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, listen, Luis Robert Jr. did his Luis Robert Jr. thing, but other than that, that was future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander yeah. right there at 40 years old. Um, Stop Tyson. Stop picking against this guy uh, because he can still do it. Obviously, the White Sox offense has not been uh, very menacing this season, or at least not consistently so. They did score 10 runs just last night. But, um, yeah, they weren't doing anything against Verlander, who was very much on his game uh, this evening. Listen, when they, when they went out and got Verlander, I think a lot of us thought, oh, man, the Mets have the, the Mets have Verlander, the reigning Cy Young winner. We know what this guy can do. We know what he can do in the playoffs, in the World Series. Look out! Here come the Mets. The Mets have been uh, rather disappointing, but uh, tonight they saw what they wanted to see back when they gave him, however many tens of millions of dollars. Vinny, I I don't want you to ask me about my World Series prediction for 2023. I think I had the Mets in the World Series too. Maybe yeah, so. I had the Mets over the Mariners. I think so. I had Astros over Mets or something silly like that. Astros could happen. Could. They're acquiring Dylan Cease and Luis Robert Jr., or at least they're internally talking about it, um, which is great for them. Really? Yeah, I'm also... Says who? uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm also internally debating on buying the White Sox. Okay. Just a couple short. So if you want to pitch in, feel free. Um, I probably need to complete that Led Zeppelin album collection. That's what I'll do with my (laughs) money before I invest uh, in your purchase of the White Sox. Cheaper, too. Um, You brought up the 10 runs thing, and let's let's get to this before we get into the Verlander thing. Because, again, he was really good, which made it painful to watch the White Sox tonight. Uh, But last night wasn't painful. You mentioned 10 runs scored by the Sox, and this was brought up by the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast tonight. Did not know about this. Last night was the first time 12-plus teams scored 10-plus runs since July 4th. And I don't think you were—I know you're older than me, but I don't even think you were around for this. 1894. Wow. So Happy Independence Day. That was on America's, let's see, 118th birthday. It's hey, a good birthday. <laughs> what do you get for your 118th birthday? I don't know. We'll find out. Mercy. I hope you get there. Um, yeah, last, I mean, that's that's insane, uh, an amount of uh, run production right there. We saw, what, an 11 to 10 game. I think there was like a, a 16 to 11 game that Braves and uh, Diamondbacks. I think it was 16 to 13. 16 yeah. to 13. Uh, Ton of runs scored. My favorite thing of the graphic that NBC Sports Chicago put up about the the 1894 uh, uh, day was that it was six double headers. Jesus! So it was just (laughs) it was just scheduled double headers. That's why that's what baseball used to be like. So that because they had the scores of every game and they would just repeat the teams every time. And I was like, holy mackerel! Six double headers that day. Well, I forget that they couldn't play at night. That they had to travel to each city by horse. By train. Um, oh, they had by those. By iron horse. Oh, they yeah. had those back then. <laughs> um, I thought he played for the Yankees. Iron horse. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I get the joke. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, sorry. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, that that it's... I think there was triple headers back then, too. Like, just baseball was, was nuts. Stupid. There's a team called the Spiders. The Spiders. And they should have been... I, what, the Guardians, we've been... You know, we've had them for, what, two years now? I wish they went back to the Spiders. I'm pro-Guardians because, as people know, I'm pro-local 
local reference. I like the local reference, but man, spiders was cool. You're pro local infrastructure. I'm yeah, I'm pro local <laughs> pro infrastructure. bridges. Yeah. Um, but Verlander, uh, he is you know just as strong as that bridge in in Cleveland. Uh, you you mentioned 40 years old tonight, uh, or 40 years old, and just absolutely dominating. I know he's been up and down, uh, but eight innings pitched, one earned run. That was a Luis Robert Jr. home run. Uh, he allowed three hits, seven strikeouts, one walk, um, had 17 whiffs on 60 swings. That's a 28% whiff rate. That's very good. Um, had 16 called strikes and 33 called strikes and whiffs, which I think rivals uh, Lance Lynn's you know, 16K uh, performance, just kind of showing you how dominant he was, just absolutely lighting up the strike zone against the Sox, uh, 33% called uh, strike plus whiff percentage. And, uh, I mean, even the, the Robert, you know, he finally got him in the third at bat. And we kind of saw, you know, Tuki Toussaint, the other starter, get rocked once the Mets got through to him a third time. Well, he um, got rocked once he started walking, guys. That's true. <laughs> um, but with with Verlander, I mean, they were discussing it on the radio with uh, Robert, and DJ was saying you could tell when he's not really feeling that confident, when he's not really feeling that he's uh, himself. He's early on pitches, um, and that was after the first two at bats, but. That's that superstar is he doesn't really get too overwhelmed anymore. He's had so much experience. He's been playing baseball consistency consistently. And now we see Luis Robert get an outside slider that he just stays back on. He is staying through on it and he just drives it out for another flick of the wrist, 400 foot home run. Um, and it's really the only one, uh, you know, uh, blemish on Verlander's day. How impressive has this guy been, Luis Robert Jr.? Because we talked about, we're going to talk about this later with Shohei Otani. If Shohei Otani's traded, Luis Robert Jr. might be an, uh, an MVP candidate. I mean, he might be top three. I mean, this is an insane tear that we're seeing, and it's just so disappointing. We talked about last night, Lucas possibly getting traded, Lance getting traded, you know, even the possibility of Tim getting traded. Like, it just feels so sour that Luis Robert Jr. is finally having his moment to shine, and the rest of the team just isn't there now losing, you know, two straights in the Mets. Yeah, I mean, listen, Luis has been fantastic this year. Obviously, you don't need me to tell you that. I think with the thing that I noticed is go back to that first inning, Verlander made him look ridiculous uh, with with a strikeout, and it looked like you had a you had a, a flashback of the Luis Robert Jr. from earlier this season and the one from the end of last year where it was just just waving at pitches out of the zone. Granted, a great pitch by Verlander. He was he was really really good tonight, but Luis Robert Jr. was was. He fell out of the adjustment that he's made over the course of uh, this season. But look how quickly it took him. Look how short of a time he needed to get right back to it. And, you know, what we saw earlier in the year was an extended slump where he was doing that for weeks. What we saw last year was an extended slump where he, and with, with an injury to go along with it where he was doing it for weeks and months. Now he did it for innings. Mm -hmm. And by the end of Verlander's outing, Robert Jr. was right on what, what – what Verlander was trying to do to him, took the ball out of the park in, in pretty impressive fashion. So um, it's a guy who really, if you've watched him this season from start to now, you've watched him turn into this guy. Because at the start of the year, maybe not the very start of the year, but that first month where everything was going wrong for this team, the he was looking like the guy who had that hole in his swing from the World Baseball Classic, the guy who had the hole in his swing last year with the wrist. And it's like, man, here's a guy who... We know has all the talent in the world, but he's not adjusting. He's not. He's just letting pitchers do whatever they want to him. He went to work. He adjusted, and all of a sudden, in around May, 
he turned into, oh my God, there's that guy that we've been hearing about for years. And now even when he does fall out of it at times, even when a pitcher does gain the upper hand on him or fool him once, he doesn't fool him again. And uh, uh, Robert has been able to just kind of make that adjustment in-game, which is really the sign of a great baseball player, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher. And Jake Berger was, since they're in New York, was able to go to the MLB Network studios, and he talked a little bit about his hitting uh, mindset when he's up at the plate, and he's just kind of trying not to think. He's just trying to let the preparation and everything you know, really take him there, and he's just reacting. Um, and you, while you were out in, in Maine, I had uh, Malachi Hayes from Southside Sox on, and we talked about the article that he wrote about how Luis Robert Jr. has really turned this around. You talked about the adjustments, and um, the biggest adjustment that he talked about was, you know, going from an open stance to a closed stance, but he talks about just how relaxed he does look. And again, like, he could have two bad at-bats, but he is still relaxed. He is still calm. He doesn't really seem to be bothered by potential mistakes that he did make. He just knows that he has the next at-bat, and he does seem just really calm out there. I don't know. I don't know if it's just because of the amount of games he's played. I don't know if it's because of the influence of Pedro Grafal. It, it, it just really does seem that Luis is maturing, and it's really impressive to watch. I mean, I don't know if we need to really add much more to that, but if there is anything else, I mean, feel free. But, I mean, when Pedro said this is an MVP candidate, we all really believed him, but it was like you got to see him play the games, and he is playing the games, and that's an MVP candidate. Well, and right. I mean, I think the the – story with a lot of these White Sox players, maybe the whole team and really the way fans feel about this team right now in general is the expectations, right? And so I think the expectation because of how impressed the powers that be in the White Sox organization were with Luis Robert from the time they signed him all the way up through him becoming a major leaguer, they kind of set the bar of expectations of being really, really high for this kid. It's a little unfair, obviously, and, and I don't think they were doing that you know, to put pressure on him. But the outside view was, all right, when is this guy going to become an MVP candidate? You know, Pedro Grafol says that, and we all go, yeah, we know, Pedro. We, we've been around here. We know he's supposed to be an MVP candidate. But that always came with the qualifier of, but he hasn't shown it yet. But he hasn't shown it yet on a consistent basis. Now he has, and you're absolutely right. Um, if, for whatever reason, Shohei Otani is not running away with the MVP, the AL MVP award come uh, September. Luis Robert Jr. has definitely done enough to put him in that put himself in that conversation. I think when you talk about the mindset and what you're seeing from a body language standpoint, a lot of that is just the kind of player that Luis Robert Jr. is. I don't see you think you really ever see him get overly emotional in either direction, right? Mm-hmm. But they the same thing goes for what we always talk about. When you're having success, it's easy to keep having success. When you're not having success, you're pressing. You're trying to hit that five-run homer. You're trying to do everything you can to erase everything that's happened up to this point. And you're still seeing it with a lot of guys on the, in this White Sox lineup. Luis Robert Jr. has a half-season plus of putting up MVP caliber, not MVP candidate-style numbers. He has nothing to press. He has nothing to worry about. He is in the groove right now, and that's why you're seeing a guy who isn't pressing, which might look different from his teammates or his teammates and himself at other points of this year or previous years. You're right that he's definitely a guy that doesn't get too up and, and too down. That's for sure. And I mean, even think about the one time he, it wasn't even, he really showed emotion, but he had a homer this year and he like kind of 
paused at the plate. And even Aloy was like, what you, were you doing? <laughs> like, I mean, like, so, I mean, he's really just not a person that does anything left or right of, you know, the, the dial. And he just kind of, you know, puts his head down, runs around the bases. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think last year you would see frustration and maybe when he swung and missed, it'd just be like, oh. But well, like he this was year, hurt. There was, there was a reason true. to be frustrated, right. like, oh, my body is not letting me do the thing that I know that I can do. But even, like, earlier on in the year, too, like, when, when he was healthy pre-wrist injury, mm-hmm. um, like, it, there, there were moments where I think, like, he, he felt probably like, you know, a, a pitcher was probably getting to him or was just able to throw that, pit, you know, that slider in the outside corner or, uh, you know. Uh, Malik, he talks about the adjustments of pitchers being or not being able to throw outside fastballs to him anymore um, and how he's just been able to crush those this year. Like, I do wonder, too. Like, I just I feel like there is just a, a clearer headspace for him. And, and I, it's it's exciting to see because it really does feel like he's unlocked that six tool that Tony LaRusso was talking about. Uh, let's take a break and let you know about some of our fantastic sponsors. And then we'll get into uh, more AL MVP talk um, with Shohei Otani. I thought there was an interesting article uh, from Fox Sports Today. Um, and since I have a BBWAA writer next to me, uh, why not ask him about what would happen if Shohei Otani got traded from the AL to the NL and uh, how that would change possibly the minds of a voter. Um, but then we'll get into uh, more of this game as well. And some some other White Sox Mets stuff. Uh, but we want to let you know about our friends over at Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. They're your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kind of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your summer, and it's a one-stop shop for all of your cannabis needs. No matter where you are on your cannabis journey, they have easy online ordering and in-store pickup and great transparent loyalty programs uh, called Sunnyside Rewards. They have your favorite dispensaries from city to suburbs, Wrigley Field to River North, Champaign to South Beloit, um, and they have a ton of in-house brands like Mindy, Good News, Cresco, High Supplies, Floracal, Wonder, and Remedy. So through August, head to sunnyside.shop, check out all of these fantastic brands, and if you don't know a ton, their bud tenders can inform you. And again, if you are a newbie to cannabis, Sunnyside is here to take you all the way through and have a successful journey. Um, And then if you're, you know, I I feel like they call them potheads. Um, Wow. It's it's, an old term. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, If you... Smoke the smoke the reef. If you're a reefer aficionado, there you go. Um, they have good rewards and it's quick and it's they you could place an order online and there you go. Um, and again, I know our guy Corey lives over by uh, Wrigleyville and he's able just to walk to the Sunnyside Wrigleyville one. Um, and since they have code CHGO25 and since he wasn't a first time uh, a user, um, that didn't matter. Uh, you get one use per customer, but use code CHGO25 at twenty five for twenty five percent. Off your total order through August uh, at sunnyside.shop. Again, use code CHGO at 25% off your total order, one use per customer. Um, It's not stackable with other promotions, but that's not just for new customers. Anyone can use their code. So pick up everything you need to elevate your summer with Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. Must be 21 plus or an Illinois MedCard holder. Again, through August, head to Sunnyside Shop. Sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO at 25% off your total order. That was a bad read. Um, I, I did the mustache thing. I, I know you could tell. Um, I trimmed to a mustache. Yes, um, I see that. Yeah. I, it, it's itchy. Oh, um, okay. I, I don't want it to look like I'm picking my nose, but like oh. my nose, it was itching that entire read. Um, sorry. Hey, you'll get there. I don't know, but like, have you noticed that? I noticed what? More of an, an, an itchy upper lip. Me? Yeah. With no, the mustache? but I've had this for three years at this point. But, like, when you first grew it, like, 
if yeah, I asked you three I years ago? Turned, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been on my face. It wasn't that itchy when I had a beard. I don't know why it's just itchy now. Um, all right. want to let you know about our friends over at Lewis University. Students are just like you. I have family members. My cousin Maggie went to uh, Lewis University, went, got a, uh, finished her nursing degree. Uh, degree there. We're very proud of her. Uh, she didn't love her first choice, and Lewis, being 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville, made it easy for her to live at home and make the drive to Romeoville and have attend classes uh, at Lewis University. Uh, she did great there, got a great degree. We're so proud of her. Uh, but also, I mean, I chat up my guy at 7-Eleven. Turns out my guy is sheesh. He goes to Lewis too. There you go. Yeah, look at him, and he's uh, he's doing a he's he's got his first degree in India, and now he has come over and he's getting his master's in two different fields. So he's absolutely wow. killing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of Ashish. Uh, very happy to talk about him. Uh, but doing work. Yeah, students are just like you. They got full time jobs, families, full time sports fandoms. If you're looking to complete your bachelor's degree or master's degree or enroll in a professional certificate program, Lewis has the right program for you. Lewis offers several career-focused programs that will set you up for success. We're, uh, oh, that, yeah, yeah, we're going to highlight one of them here. Uh, the Lewis program in nursing was fantastic for my cousin and gave her elevated success. Uh, but my guy, Ashish, uh, he's learning uh, computer science there. Um, you know, concentrations in uh, software engineering and uh, the, the data and the... Uh, the, what's it called? Python coding. Wow, that, that's what he's doing. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm also a proud of Ashish, just as proud as I am. He's uh, my learning more Maggie. than I Maggie. than I know. I just thought a Python was a snake. It is. Um, discover how a degree from Lewis can help you build a better world. Learn more at lewisu.edu/slash/u-y-o-u. Can do this. Lewis U, the letter dot edu, spelled out edu. Slash Y-O-U can do this. Uh, thank you, Lewis University. Do you think if uh, Luis Robert Jr. wanted to uh, further his education, maybe they'd do an ad campaign where they change the name to Luis University? Ooh, I, I, maybe. Maybe. Just a thought. That's free. That's free, Lewis <laughs> University. You t talk to the White Sox. Talk to Luis Robert Jr. Luis University. It's just, just a thought. Just hey. Just a thought. And, you know, Luis, they have adult undergrad pro programs like aviation maintenance technology certifications. You should, wow. you should tell Luis Robert Jr. that he could go maintain airplanes if he wanted to with Lewis University hey. being 35 miles southwest of Chicago those, and Romeoville. Those major league careers, they pay well, but they <laughs> often don't last very right. long. You're done. At, if you're done at like 36, you got a whole life ahead of you. You need, to, you need, you need some qualifications to fill, those, fill that time. I know my rent isn't as, isn't as expensive as Luis Robert Jr. and I don't have a, a, a he's got to pay for mansion. a butterfly sanctuary. <laughs> he's going to need another degree. Have you asked him about it? Uh, I asked someone about it. Okay. I asked someone who has been to Luis Robert Jr.'s house about it, and uh, they withheld comment. What does that mean? They made it sound like it's not currently a butterfly sanctuary. Okay, right. but I don't. I don't have those details for well, sure. I mean, that's fair. I mean, maybe maybe the person he, who uh, you know originally bought the home was a maybe a a nature a, lover. Nature lover. Yeah. I don't know what a, a butterfly expert is called. A butterfly expert. Um, maybe you know. Maybe they had a, their specimen in there, and you know, Louis Robert. He doesn't have any specimen. I mean, here's the thought again. A butterfly. I'm just throwing. I'm full of ideas tonight, Luis. If you're listening, <laughs> turn that butterfly sanctuary into panther habitat. Just saying. Just saying, you're La Pantera. You go get yourself Una Pantera. You've got the room for it. Just saying. Also, too, panthers probably don't eat butterflies. You can keep the butterflies in there. 
can can you own a panther? I would advise against it. Well, yeah, and yeah. I, I wouldn't put it in a butterfly sanctuary because what I know about butterflies is they're small, and I, panthers are big. Sure. So I feel like that might make the panther unhappy. Right, but if you have a butterfly, it's a big room, I'm sure. I don't, know. don't get the panther, but hey, look. Maybe an, like an audio animatronic panther or something could go in there. That go see it funny. up. Go see it up. <laughs> I like that. There We've had go. pet I, pigs and pet panthers on this show now. Yeah, we've done it. I, I, I don't want either of them in this office. I know we fit a dog, and even Poppy, even though Poppy's very cute, uh, barks a lot. And I know Carm was doing his best to not make Poppy bark. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, even, I'm even iffy on bringing dogs into the office. I don't know if we should bring pigs and encourage people to say, you know, bring pigs and panthers into the office. Um, someone look up the Florida pet law, too, just to just see if d- a panther's possible. Don't. No. 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 Okay. Leave panthers in the wild where they live. <laughs> to be fair, Vinny, you brought Asia. it up. Um, all right. Let's get into the one thing I want. I felt a little bit disappointed with Justin Verlander was he pitched eight innings, got to 100 pitches. I felt like Buck Showalter was going to give him the old attaboy and say, hey, why not go out and try to finish off the game? Uh, he didn't, which disappointed me. But I, I, it mainly disappointed me because I looked up this stat. Uh, pitchers with the most complete games since the wild card era, because, um, you know, that kind of is when it became career or a single season. Uh, career. career. Career leaders since 1995. And I try to look for players who started their career before 1995. So, like, Randy Johnson doesn't count because he was already 31. Or, like, Kurt Schilling, I didn't start counting him because he was already 28. Greg Maddox probably had several. Greg Maddox yeah. was the, the next guy I could have yes. named. Yeah, yeah. He was 29. Um, he's younger than Randy Johnson. There you go. I wouldn't have guessed. Um, Roy Halladay was the leader, though. He had 67. Um, LeVon Hernandez had 50 from 96 to 2012. Bartolo Colon and CeCe, who we'll talk about later, had 38. Uh, Brad Radke, Ooh. who debuted in 1995, had 37. Wouldn't have been the twin that I would have gone with. Who was the twin you would have guessed? Probably uh, Johan Santana. Johan, yeah. yeah. Um, on 33, or 33 on this list, Chris Carpenter is tied with a player who de- debuted in 2000. So 33 complete games. Chris Carpenter had 33. The other player has 33, debuted in 2000. You want to take a guess at who that might be? Zach Greinke. No, it's it's related to the team we cover. Mark Burley. Mark Burley. There, there you go. go. Uh, Cliff Lee, Sidney Ponsone at 29. Hobby. Oh, Sidney Ponsone. Yeah. He was knighted by the Queen what? of the Netherlands. Yes. It, that should be an immaculate. He's a knight in the Kingdom of the Netherlands. That's, That's true. sick. Yeah. We should have a, that should be a part of the Immaculate Grid. Knighted, knighted yeah. in countryhood or uh, in a uh, in home country. I mean, there's probably got to be a Canadian who's been knighted by knighted the, by the monarch of England. Yeah, who's the best? I mean, like Joey Votto will probably be knighted. Mm, they don't really do that anymore for like celebrities. They used to Slim. do that all the time with like the like all the rock stars are knighted, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But like, they don't really do that with celebrities these days, modern day. That's stupid. Yeah. Um, it's it's already stupid enough, so why would you stop doing the <laughs> stupid thing? Um, Javi Vasquez, White Sox legend, sure. uh, 28, along with Adam Wainwright, uh, who I guess could still continue to do this. Uh, but Verlander would have uh, surpassed Tim Hudson, Andy Pettit, and Tim Wakefield, uh, who all had 26. Verlander currently sitting at 26 as well. Um, but, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there because it didn't happen, and it could have happened, but it didn't. Um, so there you go. That's White Sox baseball in 2023. Um 
Anything else from this game that stood out from you? Because, again, it was kind of a frustrating game, but I guess Tuki Toussaint throwing 107 yeah, pitches is yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think Tuki's performance stood out. Obviously, you wouldn't call it good, right? He mm-hmm. gave up five runs, and he walked four guys. That being said, Tuki Toussaint threw six innings. We weren't really expecting him to do that. He threw over 100 pitches. We weren't really expecting him to do that. And four of those five runs came in one inning. Again. You don't get to pick and choose which innings count, I understand. But this is a guy who's getting a lot of run right now Mm -hmm. as the uh, fill-in, basically, for Mike Clevenger. We saw him come in and and spell Michael Kopech in the first game of the second half. He's been used a lot by Pedro Grafol, and he has Pedro Grafol's trust. And you know what? He's been okay. Uh, He hasn't been lights out. He's not uh, blown anybody away. I don't think even... At this point, if the White Sox had a healthy Davis Martin at their disposal, anybody would be saying put Tuki Toussaint in over a healthy Davis Martin. That being said, he's been okay. And uh, for a team that's going to perhaps need to eat up a lot of innings after the trade deadline here, if we're thinking that two of, you know, 40% of their starting rotation might be on their way to wearing new uniforms, uh, Tuki Toussaint is going to be probably a permanent addition to that starting rotation unless things really start going the other direction for him. And shout out, Brett, uh, for digging my Danzig shirt. I appreciate you. I dig your Led Zeppelin shirt Thank as well. Thank you. I'm glad you picked up those two albums, but I'm also glad you have that shirt. Yes. Uh, it's a pretty sick tie-dye. Um, got a little crazy stat for you, Vinny. Do I, 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 don't know, actually, I don't know how to <laughs> phrase it. That's the thing. Tuki Toussaint in... His last two outings has... Which are each in the last six days. Yes. Throwing 97 pitches and 107 pitches have been two of the, th- the, uh, or two of the third highest totals he's ever had. This is the first time he's thrown 105 pitches since September 9th, 2018. Okay. And that's the, the, the most pitches he's ever had in a game, 105. So he okay. surpassed that tonight. Okay. And then him, his 97th... Which uh, was just the other day when Kopech couldn't get out of the first inning. July 14th. Okay. That is his third most pitches in a game. There so the go. White Sox are using him more There's than he's ever starting pitcher. been yeah. used before. I mean, he has been he was a starter with the Braves, but right. he just never even saw this a length. And I don't know if that's because now he's 27, now he's bounced around, now the Sox really don't have to protect him like a first-rounder, which the Braves were doing. But it is interesting to see the length because that really hasn't been consistent in his career, but we see back-to-back outings where he goes over 95. I mean, that is huge because of everything you bring up with Davis Martin. I mean, like, he is trying to frame himself as, hey, I could be a fifth starter, and he'd be a cheap fifth starter for a team that I, I would assume would be cutting payroll from $185 or $185, not dollars, $185 million. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. You could definitely look at the – next couple months as a tryout of sorts for Tuki Toussaint to try to make this rotation going in or to try at least position himself to make the rotation going into next year. Now, remember, he's a he's not like under control. They picked him up off, off a waiver claim. Right. Um, he would be a free agent at the end of this year. Uh, but considering, you know, the track record, the fact that he was just out there to get perhaps wouldn't be in very high demand, although a good two months could could definitely change that. Um the White Sox might be in a position where they need to replace an awful lot of the starting rotation next year. Um, I think if we are under the assumption at this point that they're going to trade Lucas Giolito, and if we're operating under the assumption that Lance Lynn is not going to be back either because he's been traded or because 
they're not going to pick up an $18 million op- option on him. That's two guys gone. Mike Clevenger, you would assume he hasn't been so great that they need to go out and, and uh, pay him, you know, another $10 plus million dollars to, to do what he did again for a couple of months this year. Uh, they could have three openings uh, this winter. And you you think that, that Cease and Kopech are going to be around no matter what, but Kopech is having his struggles, his struggles not only with the results, but with, uh, uh, you know, how long he's lasting in games. Tuki Tuzan goes out there and eats innings. That's something that, uh, you know, is valuable in its own right. Now, again, he's got to not give up five runs in a game. That would be helpful to uh, his case. You would think, though, that Davis Martin is not going to be ready to man one of those spots on opening day. So there's a lot of uh, pitching that needs to kind of come in to this organization uh, over the course of between now and opening day next year in order for them to field a rotation. Uh, if Tuki Toussaint can pitch his way into a job, again, it would require another contract this winter, but that's that's one spot that uh, that they don't have to go out and find somebody new. And maybe, you know, he, he builds a relationship with Pedro Grafol. I mean, maybe that's the reason why, again, maybe Tuki gets some offers and attention, but maybe, again, for a pitcher that doesn't have a ton of success in his career, if he does feel like this was the most successful outing, you know, maybe why leave that organization if, you know, Ethan Katz and, and, and Pedro Grafol are a good click. Um, but, I mean, you, you bring up, like, eating innings is massively important. Jordan Lyles, who Stephen brought up earlier, was cheating yesterday with uh, some, some tack under his... Uh, Just a little bit on the sleeve. wrist. Not noticeable um, on cameras or anything. But he's got a 6.05 ERA, a record of 1-11. The Royals paid him $8.5 million this year and will pay him $8.5 million next year to pitch for him. And I honestly think they're probably happy with that signing because, again, he's thrown 102 innings. And this is a team that doesn't have the starters that have that inning space. I mean, that, I mean, Granke really can barely even go over five as well, and he's a veteran guy. So, I mean, it is important to have people who can throw innings, and, and that's the concern with Kopech is, you know, how much can he really throw in an inning and can he be a true starter? So the fact that Tuki Tucson has popped up, it's, it's, it's good for the White Sox, and it kind of makes the, the rotation – a little clearer if they can sign him. You know, again, I, I don't know if I would even go as far to say it's good for the White Sox. It's it's interesting. It throws another mm-hmm. name out there. But remember what we keep talking about when we're talking about the tr- the, the trade deadline coming coming here. I, I would imagine they're planning to compete in 2024. So he can eat innings, but that's got to be quality innings. We've seen during the rebuild guys who brought in who ate innings very successfully. James Shields, Ivan Nova come to mind as guys who did a fantastic job at eating innings. James Shields is the last guy to throw 200 innings in a season mm-hmm. for this for the White Sox. Ivan Nova, uh, uh, I believe, led baseball in games started uh, that that year yes. that he led the that he led the White Sox in innings pitched. 13 innings away from 200. Yeah, but those weren't from either of those guys. Those weren't quality innings for the, for the most part. Um, and so it was okay then because you brought up you bring up the Royals comparison that the Royals are where the White Sox were when James Shields and Ivan Nova were eating innings for them. The White Sox are supposedly not there anymore. And so the idea can't just be bring somebody in who eats innings. Eating innings is good, but they need to be quality innings because if we're now looking at a situation where for the bulk of 2024, the team is planning on its starting rotation past Cease and the questionable and the has questions about him, Michael Kopech, to be Tuki Toussaint 
and a Davis Martin that's coming off Tommy John surgery, that doesn't sound like a competitive starting rotation to me. No. Um, now, listen, Toussaint can, can come out and have a really good two months, and all of a sudden he's in demand, and the White Sox have to pay for him to secure, to, to retain him. That's fine. But right now, where we stand right now, Tuki Toussaint's pitching innings while giving up runs, and it's like, okay, you're the stopgap guy. Are you going to be a guy in 2024? That remains to be seen. Yes, and, and two, the rotation discussion will obviously evolve because if Lucas and Lance do leave at the deadline, you would hope that what Rick is acquiring is somebody who potentially could pitch in 2024. So, you know, maybe, maybe you know, out with the old, in with the new, and maybe it's not – MLB ready starting pitching, but some guy that might be in Charlotte or Birmingham. And then again, maybe the Sox envision him to be in the 2024 rotation, but uh, Tucson, I mean, again, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if he's the fifth starter for the Sox next year, just because uh, they're using him. Like he hasn't been used before and they're putting trust in him. And I, I know guys really appreciate that when they have the, the trust of an organization. and then Sometimes even, that's all it takes. We, we talked yeah. about how Pedro really backs his guys, too. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe that's something that is a positive in the, in the camp of Pedro Grafal. Not to, before the ad break, not to you just bring up Ivan Nova's 2019, but why not? Um, Yvonne Champagne Supernova. Hell Sean. yes. Uh, sub-5 ERA, 187 innings pitched. He did lead the ML in games started. Which also means he led in uh, uh, hits allowed with 225. And that's AL only. Yes. That's not ba- he didn't lead baseball in hits allowed. He led the American League in hits allowed. Do you think? Do you think an NL pitcher gave up more than 225 hits in 2019? They would have had to. Otherwise, it would be italicized. Oh yes. Oh, look at See? you. This is why you are a baseball writer of America. Because I know how to use baseball reference. Look at there you. you. Um, <laughs> ERA plus a 97 though. A li- he was fine. That, right. That's pretty. Yeah, he was fine that that's, year. That's really good. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, he was I, fine. I, I'm, shout out, Ivan. Uh, all right, let's take a break. I'll let you know about our friends over at Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shader is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Um, they're a lot better than all the cheap ones I used to be buying. Um I was really gonna say like they maybe treat. they need to they need to tweak that ad read for those of us who never had expensive sunglasses <laughs> prior to this. These are the most They're, expensive sunglasses you will ever have, and they and will the actually they will last yes. uh, longer than any other pair right. that you've ever had. And because that have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, but also Shady Rays has the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken placements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, it tells us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for, 20, or for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized shades at shadyrace.com and use code CHGO, use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized shades. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Our friends over at Pins and Aces are going to help us have a fantastic golf outing. Uh, we should probably plug that because I think the, the, the sickest thing that you could do for yourself is get this CHGO Pins and Aces uh, shirt. Uh, CHGO kickoff classic Friday, August 25th, 
9 a.m. shotgun start at Cog Hill. You get the fantastic CHGO and Pins and Aces crossover. We're obviously going to have a ton of prizes and giveaways from Pins and Aces, likely. Uh, we'll be able to bring out all of our cool stuff that we have for them. Like, the, what's the, the... The liquor stick? The liquor stick. The beer sleeve? The beer sleeve. The shot tee? The shot tee. Okay, I got them all. Explain the shot tee. The shot tee is how you shotgun a beer. You just pop it with this thing. You hit your tee shot, then you pick up the beer, and you shotgun it. And it's awesome. Boom. And yeah. we're going to be doing that on Friday, August 25th at Cog Hill because we're degenerates at a very nice golf course, and we're going to be uh, shotgunning beer. Uh, but check out Pins and Aces. They're the official golf apparel partner of C- uh, All City and CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear. We're very excited to have them out on the course on August 25th. And they are a family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and, again, uh, Stephen's favorite, the Beer Sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep it cold the entire round. Seven. Seven. Cue the Costanza gif. Ah. <laughs> you can't, I, I, that name is – that joke is ruined. Why? Because of the shortstop. TA? Yeah. Why is it ruined? Oh, never mind. Check out pinsandaces.com oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and use code I CHGO to receive 15% off your I'm first order. I'm not a social media. I don't, I'm not on social media very much. It's not even, no, it's not even that. It's just any time I think of George Costanza wanting to name his kid seven, yeah. I think after Mickey Mantle. Tim Anderson yeah. did it. Yeah. After himself. After himself. Right. Yeah. I mean, his number, not his name's not seven. His name's Tim. Check out pinsandaces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. All right. uh, One heartwarming story from the Mets and White Sox series, uh, and you mentioned this. Liam's been doing this basically in every town that the Sox have gone to, uh, but especially since Cookie Carrasco himself is a cancer survivor, uh, Cookie Carrasco teamed up with Liam Hendricks to host pediatric cancer patients from Cohen's Children Medical Center. Uh, the kids met with Carrasco and Hendricks to hear their stories during a tour of City Field. That's from Anthony DeComo of MLB.com. But as you see on the screen, uh, Cookie Carrasco teamed up with uh, Liam Hendricks for a special edition of Cookie's Kids. Uh, and you can see all those happy kids getting a tour of City Field. And that's just so fantastic to see the outreach of baseball. And of course, these guys make millions and millions of dollars, but it's because they are in a very special place. I mean, everyone that's watching this right now grew up watching baseball. And if they were going through something horrible in their life and two major league baseball players showed them around the actual City Field, Wrigley Field, Guaranteed Ray Field, that would be the coolest moment of that year. I mean, doing philanthropy like this is great to see from players using the platform that they that they have yeah and I mean as we talked about so much earlier this year when we first heard uh what Liam was going through dedicating your time to these sorts of causes is nothing new for him and uh, you know being at the ballpark as often as I am you know I'm sitting there working before a game you look down oh something's going on behind home plate who which player is that talking to so-and-so, you know, oh, obviously it's Liam Hendricks talking to, you know, someone uh, who, who, who's there for whatever charitable reason, you know, or, or hanging out with, with animals that he's, that he's doing charity work with, hanging out um, with other folks that he's, that he's showing around the ballpark that day, or really just folks that the White Sox might bring to a game, that Liam is the guy, the face that comes out and greets them. So um, this is something he was doing in seasons past, and now obviously um, – he has had uh, his own life experiences to dictate 
new ventures that he can um, new charitable ventures that he can participate in. And yeah, we, we see this obviously today with him in New York, but as, uh, as you mentioned, I've seen it basically happening with him at, at every road ballpark they've gone to. Um, he, he posts a lot of pictures of him just meeting with be they kids or adults or whoever might be going through the same thing that he went through um, on his Instagram and throughout, uh, you know, throughout the, every, every trip the White Sox take. So um, it's, it's, Great to see that. It's not surprising to see that. If you watched his SP speech, you know the kind of uh, mentality that he has uh, in this situation. And so, yes, uh, that is good to see. And I think the best thing about it is uh, to see Liam Hendricks in a White Sox uniform right now um, being able to do these kinds of things as well. Yeah, and even when they went to Atlanta, uh, Liam met with uh, a kid Nick, an 18-year-old who is battling an aggressive form of leukemia. Uh, so, again, I mean, every single city, it seems like he's doing something. And we know, uh, what's MLB's strikeout cancer or stand-up to cancer? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, obviously that's been a very big uh, philanthropic effort for the for, for uh, MLB. I think going back to, like, the 2006 All-Star game, like, that's been going on for, for forever. And to see Liam uh, just embrace that role and, and you know, MLB's – efforts has just been fantastic and we even tweeted it out too when he was first diagnosed just all of the philanthropic things that he has done in a White Sox uniform and like you said he's continued it even if he is not on the field this year you know he's throwing a simulated game or through a simulated game today um, you know he's still doing and putting in the work and and shout out to Liam Uh, wish he was pitching and I know he wishes he was pitching as well Uh, but again that will come sooner rather than later and uh, we know that he'll still be that incredible presence in the community. Uh, Let's move on to, I think, the final topic of discussion, White Sox related. It is National Ketchup Day. Um, No. Oh, boy. National ring the bell now, Sean. National Hot Dog Day. uh, And the White Sox placed uh, placed a ketchup bell of shame uh, in their ballpark, uh, sponsored by Vienna Beef. I guess my my, my main thing that I wanted to complain about, and and you brought this up, that White Sox fans like to complain. it's just it's another sponsored post. Like I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of sponsored uh, posts from the Sox on- online. Of course, hey, I you get don't it. like you got a mil- they've tied tied up with uh, with Vienna Beef. You got something against the beef? There was a, a post from uh, Missy Carroll uh, on uh, from the 108, kind of talking about the Sox social media presence this year and how it's just not as creative compared to other teams like the Mariners and Reds, et cetera. And every time now I look at a White Sox post, I'm just kind of critiquing it because uh, what else am I going to do? The, the team isn't that good. Um, but it's just like they have a, a – yeah, there's, there's, I don't know. I, every time I see a sponsored post, I'm jaded. That's all I'm saying. My name is being bitter on Twitter. I'm just being bitter. I'm sorry. What do you take? What's your take? You're on upset that? with corporate sponsorships? Yeah. This is what we're opening. That's the can of worms we're opening today? Use code CHGO at DraftKings. Um yeah, it's hypocritical. Uh, what do you think of the, the whole ketchup thing, though? Should people be shamed? Um, it's one of those things that I have noticed quite a bit of lately where the people complaining about the thing becomes worse than the thing they're complaining about. Um, I mean, I was a little kid once. I used to have ketchup on a hot dog. You know what I mean? Like, I even went when I was younger. I think when I was in, when I was in high school at one point, me and some friends went to the Sox game. 
And uh, before the game, we wa- we walked over to 30 th- 35th Street Red Hots on the other side of the Metro Tracks, and we all lined up, and we all went in there, and we all ordered hot dogs, not strictly with ketchup, but also with ketchup on them. And and four people, four four kids from the suburbs, all in a row. And the uh, woman working behind the counter looks up and goes, "You guys aren't from around here, are we? <laughs> are you?" And I, I was I was stung by that, and I went, no, we, I am. I'm just just had an embarrassing hot dog <laughs> order today, but um, no, I don't like when. I, let's put it this way: I don't like when people complain about other people having ketchup on their hot dog. But I mean, also, you know, it's just not one of the ingredients. I don't really like a Chicago style hot dog. It's a salad pretending to be a hot dog, in my opinion. No, but you know, I like mustard. I like mustard on a hot dog. That's not ketchup, but am I still am I still should I still be shamed for not getting the whole produce section at the jewel on the hot dog? I don't know. So where does it where does it end, I guess is the thing. Should you be eating a hot dog at guaranteed rate field, period? I understand that it is Me? very Well, I there, that's the food that's provided up in the press box. Okay. Well so, if yeah. it's, if sometimes it's... if I forget to pack a sandwich. If it's free, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not batting an <laughs> eye. I'm not batting an eye at anything free. But but also if you're spending your money on a hot dog. Especially a hot dog now at Guaranteed Ray Field. It's what, like $7.50, $8? Not on Tuesday. Not on Tuesday. It's $5, $5 Tuesday. Um, but the chimichurri steak sandwich is like $13. And that is the greatest thing that I've ever eaten at that park. The, so my, why would you get it? My recommendation, I don't, I don't know if I've ever actually get been it. asked this on this show, but you go down uh, to the right field corner there, yeah. deli sandwiches. Mm, mm-hmm. That's the best thing in the ballpark. It comes, a, It's massive. It's like this big. It's big. Plus you get a whole thing of chips with it too. And that's like fourteen bucks. That's a pretty good. So yeah, thing. exactly. I'd go. I'd go that route. But again, I like a hot dog. I'm an American man, from Chicago, and I like the beef. Of course, I've been to the Vienna Beef Factory store in Bridgeport on Pershing. I've not been there. Yeah, I, I hear. I hear they're like refurbishing it though. Now, I saw a story in WGN. They're like giving it a whole facelift. That's the one on the north side. Oh. So the one on the north side, their factory store was always on. Uh, it said Damon and Fullerton, and it was there for the longest time. And then they closed it, and they moved it to Bridgeport. Mm. But now it's just sat there empty for several years, and they're going to redo it. They're going to bring it back. Oh, so, yeah. all right, cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I just had Superdog, so I had like a, a Superdog. Yeah, it was, it was very good. Yeah. Um, but then, like, the whole thing with the Chicago Dog too, like, it started falling apart because it's so heavy, and you got the so, it's a salad. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I I like the salad. I'm I'm a fan of the salad. Um. Also, we're getting to the baseball. This is Vinny as a baseball writer uh, section of the, the show. Um, hot, hot dogs and, and MVP votes? That's, yes. That's the segment? I will qu- quickly. I'm on spot rack, and I know this is a little bit different and maybe a little bit out of your wheelhouse, but since he was claimed off waivers, does that mean anything? So, like, he was – his contract was – he signed a minor league contract with Cleveland. Then his contract was purchased. Then he was DFA'd. And on SpotRack, they're saying that he has three years of arbitration left. You said that he would be a free agent because he was I picked up off he's of waivers. Teams so many times that that doesn't apply anymore. But okay. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. All right. yeah. I don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's just that might color. Or limit, what's it say limit. on? Uh, what's it say on uh, FanGraphs when you look at the years? Let's see. Um, years bar. I'm sure Spot SpotTrack also has that. Well, yeah. it's, it's it has um, has three more years of arbitration. Uh, MILB arb eligible 2024. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Then there you go. Contract one Maybe year. Maybe they do TBT. have them. Maybe. I mean, hey, that'd be that'd be Maybe. interesting if they if they control them. I mean, it, it just 
I would. He doesn't have a ton of major league service time, so that like makes sense. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, I don't know if they control like Clint Frazier though. I think that's a pretty good comp, just because he's bounced around too. But we'll find out. Yeah, I'll we'll ask. I don't know. I don't know who would we ask for that. Hey, do the White Sox control Tuki Tucson after 2024? In the, next, in the next Han press conference after yeah. the trade deadline, that's what I'll ask. What are we going to talk about now, Rick? Is Tuki Tucson going to be here in 2024? All right. Um, I want to ask Vinny, a uh, member of the BBWAA, about the Shohei Otani MVP race. Because Shohei Otani right now will likely win the American League MVP if he is not traded by the Los Angeles Angels. But if he's traded to a National League team this year, would he be eligible for the American League MVP? Would he be eligible for the National League MVP? I have done as much research as I can into this, and I honestly think the last time they wrote the rules on this was 1931. It's been a bit. So <laughs> that's almost 100 years. It, it, does the player actively have to be in the – American League to win the American League MVP, or has he, as a pitcher and hitter, done enough to win the M the a a AL MVP regardless if he finishes the season in the AL? Well, I think the question is, the best question is, could he win both? Could he? Yeah. <laughs> that would be the best question, right? <laughs> but um, I don't know. You, you've done some research, and I was here while you were doing it, so we talked about it, uh, and it seems like once you're traded to a different league, if you are receiving votes, it's the one you end up in, right? Because mm -hmm. why would you why would you receive votes in a league that you played less game or fewer games in than the one where you played more, right? Because if it's a deadline deal, that's more than halfway through the season. Why are people finishing in the second half league voting but not popping up at all in the first half league voting? So that that information right there would lead me to believe that it has to be the one that you're actively playing in. Yeah, I, I think that would be it. Um, so one quote, and this was spurred by Sam Panianovich's article over at Fox Sports, just talking about what bookmakers would do um, from a betting standpoint. But uh, Red Sox host Tom Karen said in this, I could still see baseball writers wanting to make a statement by voting for Otani. You can make the argument that what Otani did as a two-way player over two-thirds of a season is greater than one player for a full season. So it will be interesting, but Stephen, you flash the graphic on players that were traded uh, and then ended up finishing in the MLV, MVP or Cy Young vote of the league that they were traded to. So in 2008, CC started with the Cleveland team uh, and then was traded to Milwaukee and then in the NL after finishing in Milwaukee went like 11 and 2 with a sub 2 ERA he was amazing yeah insane uh, and was like pitching on like three days rest uh, he was a Cy Young he was a fifth place Cy Young finisher and finished sixth in MVP voting uh, in 2008 Manny was traded from Boston to LA obviously didn't finish in the Cy Young because he's not Shohei Otani uh, but he did finish fourth in MVP in 1997, Mark McGuire was traded from Oakland to St. Louis, did not finish uh, for Cy Young, but was 16th in uh, MVP voting. And then Rick Sutcliffe was traded from Cleveland to the Cubs, won the Cy Young and finished fourth in MVP voting, went 16-1. and one. Well, and I guess here's my, th here's my thought is like, it's probably what all voting, baseball voting is, where it's just the writers figure it out, right? I mean, that's what we've seen with the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? There's no rule that says you cannot vote for, you cannot elect a steroid user into the Hall of Fame, but that seems to be the 
a un, an unwritten rule, so to speak. I know we all love those so much um, that that they've employed when it comes to think about when it comes to pitchers winning MVPs, right? Probably a lot more times than it's actually happened, a pitcher has been the best player in baseball, but there's the Cy Young vote, there's the MVP vote. It's just the way that it usually is like historically and traditionally works out. Pitchers win the, M- the Cy Young, hitters win the MVP. So my thought is it's that kind of thing. Maybe people have kind of figured out, well, it's like, well, I'm voting for the AL MVP. This player currently plays in the AL. Why would I vote for them for the NL MVP? Because you showed guys there who had amazing stats right. before they were traded, right? So, like, it's not like everything they did before they are traded gets thrown out the window and you're only voting on the MVP after they get traded. It would seem to me that uh, folks have just said, all right, that player is on an NL team or an AL team. I'm going to vote for him in the league that he is currently playing in or played his most recent game in, um, you know, when you when you make that vote. To be fair, none of these guys were as good as Shohei Otani. Um, I guess few, few have ever to, been. <laughs> to, to put it this way, um, Mark McGuire had the same amount of home runs that Shohei Otani currently has, 34, when he was traded from Oakland to St. Louis. And CeCe Sabathia had an ERA higher than Shohei Otani than when he would likely be traded from the Angels, which is just stupid. Um, CC before he was traded, 6-8 and eight record, a 3.83 ERA, uh, and then went to Milwaukee uh, in 17 starts, 165 ERA, and an 11-2 and two record uh, with 130 innings. So he was just a lot better, an ERA plus of 111 with Cleveland, uh, with and then with Milwaukee at 255. Uh, Manny kind of had the same thing, too. Manny was all right in Boston in 2008 with 100 games, 137 OPS plus. Evan in 53 games had 17 homers, 14 doubles, uh, a slugging percentage of 743, an OPS plus of 221. Uh, he was just a next-level player. Uh, like, Maguire, maybe, like he had 105 games played, which I don't think was enough. Didn't even get to 100 RBIs. Um, it was a bad Oakland team, 35 homers. Like the reason why the, the Angels are kind of near 500 after 100 games is Shohei Otani. I well, don't know if that, that could be argued. Listen, but. I don't think anybody would argue that like he's not the guy who deserves this, this, the MVP right now. I think the point is what is the precedent and what are you voting on? Because obviously when they vote on CC Sabathia, when they vote on Manny Ramirez, when they vote on Mark McGuire, they're not just voting for what happened after they were traded. Like, because that's an incomplete amount of games. They wouldn't qualify, quote unquote, for anything if you're just evaluating that. So when you're casting that vote, you are casting a vote for what that player did with the previous team. And so if that's the precedent, it would make sense to me that when, when, when September rolls around, uh, Otani is going to be voted on based on the league that he is playing. And that's what it would seem well, to me because that's what people have done in the past. And, uh, like, for the NL Cy Young voting for Sutcliffe, they only count his NL numbers that year. Um, so, like, he didn't lead in well, what, strikeouts. Who did? Who did? Uh, baseball reference. So, like, baseball reference when they're well, they looking just at separated. the NL. Yeah, yeah. So, but I don't know if maybe that's, you know, if... People, I mean, I would have like, to imagine that... Would have to imagine that there were people who had more strike, a lot yeah, more yeah. strikeouts than him, or a lot more games played. Obviously, sixteen and one is pretty good. That's kind of hard to do in a full season these days. But um, you can't just vote on two months. You know what I mean? You don't win an award for what you do in two months. You win an award for what you do in six. Sutcliffe was portrayed pretty early. I mean, he had what 
20 games started, which was only 11 less than Dwight Gooden. Uh, Gooden had 276 strikeouts and 155 for Sutcliffe. But, again, 20 starts, 16 wins. But I that mean, was half his right, season, right, wasn't no, it? Yeah, right. Uh, well, yeah, 15 starts in Cleveland. So, like, yeah. he, he had more starts in, in, with the Cubs. But, like, yeah, I mean, in, impactful. Um, again, in value, too, that was the first Cubs team to make the – to win the division in a long time, right? 84. It's the first Cubs team to ever win a division. Well, that doesn't make any sense in my brain. <laughs> it was um, their first. It was their first playoff appearance since '45, I believe. Right? Really? Yeah. Since they since they lost the World Series in '45. Oh, right? God, this yeah. is such a pathetic baseball town. Um, all right, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, that's the last episode ever. Um, no. Wow! Um, <laughs> News to me. I don't know the way that, that, that came out of my mouth just sounded horrible. Uh, anyways. That's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. Thank you for joining us after a 5-1 to one White Sox loss. That is Vinny Duber. You can read his work at allchgo.com. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. Uh, and I am Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for producing the show. And everyone for hanging out with us. Uh, we would appreciate you giving us the thumbs up button on the way out. We will talk to you tomorrow after Jose Quintana makes his Mets debut wow. against the Chicago White Sox. Old friend, Jose Quintana, coming back. So we'll see you then. Bye.